verse number four. We'll kind of uh, work our way through verse number seven. But while you're turning to that, let me just share with you one uh, kind of point that you may not really understand. Carlos and I, we go back about 20 years. He and I met actually over the internet. Now, before you think that it was on some kind of dating website, that is not right. That is incorrect. All right. He was a pastor down in Lattice, and I was a youth pastor in Summerfield, just north of Greensboro, North Carolina. And he and I met through some mutual friends and began a, began a relationship there. And actually, he allowed me to come with a youth group way back in 2000 or 2001. I forget the dates now. But back in, back in those days, that was a big deal. And God just allowed us to be a part of what he was already doing at a church called IBBC, which at the time was about 50, maybe 60 members. But there was no doubt that God had his hand on that man. The first time that I met him, I knew that. Matter of fact, I had a chance to meet him and also And from that point on, it's been a wonderful relationship. And I just praise the Lord that he is using him here at our church, here in Hickory, here in North Carolina. I just love my brother, and I know you do too. Have you found Deuteronomy chapter 6? Let me see your hand. You got it? All right, well, let's read it together. Look at what it says right there in the very first verse. Verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says. It says, hear, O Israel. It says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, notice what he's saying right there. That word is actually the word, hear, O Israel. That that word is Shema. Say that word with me. Shema. This is actually the text that would be repeated by the Orthodox Jews on a daily basis, every morning, every night. They would repeat these very words that we get the privilege of repeating. The words, the very words that Moses preached to the children of Israel. We get a chance. We get the honor of reading them today. And I get the privilege of preaching about that today. And yet here he says, listen. That's what the the Hebrew word Shema means. Listen, listen, listen. It's almost like a, a command. It's almost trying to like grab your shirt collar and grab you and hold you and shake you a little bit. Listen to me. The Lord our God, he is one. There is no other God. There's none like Him. There's no one beside Him. He is the only God, Yahweh. And then notice what it says in the very next verse. It says, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Or perhaps your, your version may say might. And you have to understand what that word love means. In the Hebrew, it's the word ahav, but when you translate it into the Greek, it's a Greek word you already know. The word is agape. Say that word with me, agape. You know what that word means? It literally means unconditional love. And what God is saying, he's saying, love me, because there is no other. Love me, because I am the one. Love me. And he's he's telling us that because he so loved us. He so loved us that He gave. And that's what He's wanting us to do. He wants us to love Him and us to give. And then notice what He says. Love Him with what? With all your, with all your heart. That's the seed of your emotions. That's who you, you know, that, that, that's your feelings. That's your, that's who you are. And then He says, love Him with all your soul. That's with everything you've got. That with everything of your being. That was of things that, that will not just last temporarily here in this lifetime. That's something that will last for eternity. And he's saying, love me with your heart, love me with your soul. 
And then he says, love me with your strength. And you know, our, our, our Eastern mindset kind of, we think, oh, okay, I need, to, I need to be busy for him. I need to be strong for him. I need to use, the, I, I need to use my muscles for God. Well, actually, he's not saying that at all because <laughs> what does he have? What does he, what, what do we have that, that we could actually offer him that he doesn't already have? And so what he's saying is, the things that I've entrusted you with, your job that I've given you, the family that I've given you, the house, the children, all the things that, that you have that's sitting in, in your house and around your house and, and inside uh, you know, at, at your workplace, all the things that I've entrusted you with, your children, your spouse, all these things that I have given you, love me through them. So now whenever we look at this verse, what is he leaving out? Nothing. We're to love God with everything. We're to never hold anything back from God. And men, today, we as dads, it's hard. We struggle. We, 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 we look at this verse and we wrestle with this verse because it's so hard in our lives. It's, it's difficult for us. But you know, God can overcome that. He is bigger. He is stronger. And all he asks us to do is surrender. Now, notice I didn't say be committed. No, he wants us to Surrender. Because if I commit something, that means that I'm just going to give you just what we have an agreement toward. And see, when he says, when we use the word commit, we say, okay, well, I'm going to commit to buying this car for the next five years, and I'm going to pay this much money for the next 60 months, and after that 60 months is over, I'm done. Is that how you did it at the bank? Is that how you did it at the car lot? You're not going to go 61 months and pay that $400 for that car now, are you? Of course not, because you are committed to pay for that car for, for 60 months, that $400. But that's not what God says. He says, I'm not after commitment. I won't surrender. See, because whenever you surrender, what it is, it's not that you're, you're coming up with this list of things that I'll do and I won't do and everything, and then you sign the bottom. No. What you're doing there is you're taking a blank sheet of paper, and you sign your name at the bottom, and you say, Lord, I surrender, and then you hand that blank piece of paper to God and say, Lord, you fill in the blanks. That's the kind of love he wants from us, a surrendered love, a love that, is, that it goes deeper than just our emotion. It goes deeper than just the things we think about. It is what the way we actually, uh, we actually live out our lives. It's our thoughts that we have. It's our actions that we show other people. It's our attitude. And no better people to show how much we love the Lord than our very own family. Because notice what he says in the next verse, verse number 6. He says, these commands that I give you today, they're to be upon your hearts. That should be what makes you, makes you think, the way you breathe, the way you make decisions, the way you hold yourself. Even, even in the darkest times, he's saying these commands, that should be what guides you. Even whenever, whenever your life is going wonderfully, we should never forget his commands. It should be what instructs us, what pulls us into him, what allows us that sweet communion with him. Are these things that, that God has desired? Has he, has he not made you in such a way that you can actually use the, all these things in your life to please and honor him? Does he want that? Does he desire that? Well, he's made you to do that. 
What a wonderful time of worship we had here this morning. I mean, it was just so wonderful. I didn't even want it to end because of just singing to the glory of the Lord. What an awesome privilege we have. And that should be not just here in this place, but it should be when we get in our car, when we go home, when we go to the restaurant, when we get involved in our neighborhood, whenever we go to work or, or wherever we go tomorrow. God desires for us to love Him with everything we've got and to follow His commands in everything that we do. And see, there's where the line gets drawn. As Moses is talking to these people here in, in, right in the footstep, they're right at the doorway of walking into the promised land. Moses is trying to help these people understand, if you're going to succeed in life, I'm getting ready to show you what you need to do. If your legacy is actually going to outlive you, I've got something for you that you've got to hear. Because God says, I'm not, I don't just have you here just for this day, just for you to just to soak it in, and then tomorrow you're gone. No, I want you to be here, but soak it in, but also invest into the future. And that's why he has entrusted you with your spouse. That's why he has given you and entrusted you with your children. See, they're actually on loan to you. Yeah, of course, they have your last name. Of course, they live in your house. And of course, they eat all your groceries and mess up your clothes. Okay, You're the one who buys all this stuff, right? But he's the one who has given you the privilege of not just getting them a good education, as great as that is. Not just, not just making sure that they are well-fed and well-taken care of. Of course, that's important. Making sure that they, they have a spouse eventually and, and grow up and have grandchildren of their, your grandchildren of their own. <laughs> as important as all that is and as great as all that is, really your number one priority simply is this. To share with them who a great God is. That is your priority. How do I know that? Well, look at what it says in the next verse. Because in, in verse number seven, it says, impress them on your children. Now, let's stop right there and make sure we kind of understand something. He's been talking to the whole group of Israel at this point, right? Now he has funneled this thing down into one particular group of people. Can you, see, can you tell who those people are? Moms and dads. Because when he says the word children, impress them on your children, he is zeroing in on you, mom and dad. And he's doing it on purpose. For a lot of reasons. Number one, mom, you are the most influential person in a child's life. Hands down. You are always number one. You'll always be number one. You are number one. Dad, we're we're a close second as most influential people in a child's life. We're good, but we have a nine-month disadvantage, don't we? All right? You know who's number three? Your pastor. Most influential person in a child's life. But guess who's number four? grandparents. See, and think about it from this perspective. You have incredible influence. You are a parent and a grandparent. So you not only have influence into the grandchild's life, you still and should have influence in your own kids' lives. Now, me and Sherry, we have the privilege of being uh, biological parents to two wonderful children, Abby and Adam. But then they got married, so now we have four children, Abby is married to Justice Rao, and they live right here in the wonderful city of Hickory. And our son is in the world's greatest Air Force, and he's married to Ashland, and they live in Nebraska. That's where he's stationed. 
He's still got a little more than a year to be to in, our, in service. And then he'll be moving back east somewhere, we'll see. We don't have any grandchildren yet. However, as of what day? Last official. Last Tuesday of this past week, our daughter and her husband, Abby and, and, and Justice, they became foster parents. What a praise. To a five-year-old, yeah. To a five-year-old little beautiful girl. We get a chance to meet her for the first time today. And then next week, they get, they get her brother, who is about six, two, three months old. So instantly, we are grandparents, all right? <laughs> but you know, our legacy is so important. And that's why Moses says that word in press. In the Hebrew, the word is shenan. You got that one? That's a harder word. You remember? You remember that one? Shanann. All right, say it with me. Shanann. And literally what that word means is to teach or to sharpen. To teach or to sharpen. Now, when Moses uses words in, in the Hebrew language, he's talking to a bunch of people who have the Eastern mindset. And they think, they think very visual. Whenever they hear words, it oftentimes will just start a movie projector right there in their head. And this particular word has, a, has an interesting meaning, and it literally means to sharpen intently and, and intentionally. Now, I didn't bring a knife to a gunfight, so be, be, you're okay, all right? You're safe. But here, let me give you an illustration of what, when a Hebrew hears the word shenan used this way in this sentence, it literally means to sharpen. <laughs> God's saying, sharpen your kids. Now, in order to sharpen a kid properly, in order to sharpen a knife properly, you've got to be very intentional, don't you? You've got to be intentional because I've got to hold the blade just so. I've got to hold the, the, uh, the, the file that I'm going to be sharpening with. I've got to hold it at a certain angle. And I've got, to, I've got to be intentional with how I go across the blade. And I, not only do I just go across it on, uh, on one side, I've got to do it on the opposite side, Correct? And so I've got I've to be very, very, very studious of the fact that I am being intentional, and yet I've got to also be repetitive, because I don't just do this one time and it's sharp, is it? Of course not. It takes, it takes a movement across this blade over and over, intentionality over and over, holding it just right over and over, and now don't stop until it is sharp. And so when Moses says the word impress, when he says the word shenan, he's teaching us so much in one simple word that as, as the primary disciple maker of your home, moms and dads, the most influential people in a child's life, moms and dads, you need to sharpen your children. Sharpen them with what? Oh, that's simple. Back up in verse 6. With the things that are already on your hearts. The things that you learned right here in this church. The things that you learn in the quiet time of your morning when you're sitting there with God's Word open and you're reading His Word. When He's teaching you through the Holy Spirit. When He's the one being your instructor. Those are the things that you are learning. And all He simply says is to do this. Sharpen it. with Sharpen your children with it. The very things that God is allowing you to learn. Sharpen your children because there's a tomorrow coming there's an eternity coming 
And they need to be sharpened with God's Word. They need to be introduced to the Savior. They need to be introduced to what a full life in Jesus Christ is all about. And the the very first place that they're going to get it from is you, the most influential people in their family. You must be thinking, well, don't they get it up here? Well, of course they do. But you're only here just a few hours a week. And that's on a good week, right? Whenever there's not too much going on, when you're not out of town, when you're not sick, when everything is, is, is lining up and you're able to make it here, you're here. And you learn, and that's wonderful. But nothing gets done any better than in your own personal quiet time. But then also, too, think about the number of hours that you have with your children outside of this church. Far more outside of this church than we have inside this church. And as the most influential people, as the, most, as the primary disciple maker of the home, God has given you that privilege with the very people that he's entrusted you with. But you know what? A lot of times I get, the, I get a little bit of a pushback, especially on a day like today, Father's Day, because you may be thinking, oh, well, I, just, I'm just, I fail as a parent. I, I just don't, I'm not able to measure it all up. I'm just not able to get it all in. I'm so busy. That's number one excuse that I get pushed back on. I don't have time. Well, God knows. He understands. As a matter of fact, he saw you coming. Because actually you do have time. It's just a question of how do you order that time? What kind of priority do you put on things? Because notice what he says. He says one simple word. Talk to them. Talk to your children. The, thing, the very things that are on your heart, talk to them. Now I know what you're saying. Students, children of today, they have a bit of a different uh, dialect sometimes. A little bit of a different vocabulary. Matter of fact, I learned a new word this past week from a student. On fleek. Yeah? All right? Okay. Now, if my son was sitting here, he'd be running out the door because I used one of his words. But let me, let me just clarify. I'm still not really sure what it means, but I think it's got something to do with your eyebrows. Is that pretty close? I'm, I'm not sure. No? Yes? No? Oh, that means something? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to use the words. So I'll stop. But even though they've got a different dialect, even though they've got different language, we still have at least one thing in common. Either it's Spanish or it's English. And so you can use whichever one you need to use. And he's simply just saying, talk to your kids. Make time to talk to them. Oh, well, I don't have time. I said, I said God saw you coming, right? Because look at when he says do it. He says talk to them when you sit at home. You ever sit at home? When you're sitting at home and you're watching TV, maybe during a commercial, just mute the thing and have a conversation. Maybe turn it off. Have a conversation. Oh, we don't even sit at home. We're always gone. We're always at the practice. We're always at the, at the school function. Or, or now we got summer hits, and so now we got to go to the pool, and we got to go to all this stuff, and we're, and we're just busy, 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 busy. I did say that God saw you coming, right? Because notice the, third, the second thing he says. Talk to your children when you sit at home, when you go down the road. Let's contextualize that. When you ride in your minivan, talk to your kids. Get the earbuds out of their head. <laughs> Get them off their iPhones. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was. I'm not sure what that was said there, but it didn't sound good. <laughs> but you've got to get their attention. And what better way of doing it when you've got them compartmentalized in this nice little seated vehicle that you're doing, going to this next thing? What a wonderful privilege that you have to share God's Word. So take advantage of the times that's already built into your day. When you sit at home, when you go down the road. Notice this third thing. 
when you lie down. That was our time at our house when Abby and, and Adam were, were kids and, and, and growing up in our home. That was our time. It was it, whenever it was bedtime, just about 10, maybe 15 minutes before it was time to go to bed, we just piled up in somebody's room and we opened up God's Word. And we just allowed God's Word to speak. Now, a lot of times, I would listen to kind of some of the things that maybe we were talking about at lunch or, or excuse me, dinner or, or maybe on a ride somewhere that was going on in their life. And a lot of times what I would try to do is whatever situation was happening in their lives, I would, I would take God's Word and let God's Word speak into that situation or speak into that problem or speak into that question. See, that way it wasn't Dad trying to preach to them. You know, because I didn't go to the shelf and just pull off all my big, thick theological seminary study books and plop them down on the bed and say, okay, everybody listen up. We got something to talk about, and for the next two hours, we're going to get through this. I didn't do anything like that. I just simply opened up God's Word, and whatever was happening in their world, I let God's Word speak into it. See, because even though I was dad, I let the Heavenly Father speak to him. I let him be the one to speak into their situation, into their problem, into their hurt, into, their, into the things that they had questions about. I let God talk to them because I knew his word was going to be something that would last. I knew his word was going to be something that would, would, would take them into an eternity in relationship with him. And so I wanted them to rely on God's word whenever they had a problem. Sure, I was there as their earthly dad, and, and, and Sherry was there as the earthly mom to help kind of navigate some of those things. Because God was speaking in our lives, and so we would want to speak into theirs. And so what God was allowing us to do was this incredible partnership, this incredible opportunity of allowing our home to be a worship center. Let me share with you a verse, because you're thinking, okay, well, all this is Old Testament stuff. This doesn't apply to us today. That's the Old Testament. That was talking to the children of Israel. You know what? We've passed, we're past that. We live over here in the United States and that, this isn't it. Let me show you this verse, and it's found in uh, Acts chapter 2. This is, this is Peter having an opportunity to speak to the people right there at Pentecost. The church had just been born. And right there was the opportunity for, for Peter to present the gospel. And right there in chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. You got that for me, fellows? Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. They'll get it in just a second. But God, in his sovereignty, took Peter, who was, who was a dad himself, who was a husband we know of. He was able to take what he had learned as a child because his parents were, were teaching him what, what Deuteronomy was all about. He was able to take that and actually share it with a group of people just as they had given their life to Jesus Christ right here in Acts chapter 2. Notice what the Bible says. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift, the power of the Holy Spirit. But notice what it says in verse 39. The promise is for, let's see that word, you. This promise is for you, mom, dad, primary disciple maker of the home. This promise is for you. And then look what it's for, and your children. So not only is this, this promise given to you, you're supposed to share it with the very people you've been entrusted with. And then notice what it says, and for all who are far off. That means everybody else. Everybody outside of your home 
So what God is simply saying is this, mom and dad, you give your life to me and love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he's saying simply this, then share that with your children because this message needs to go into the legacies of your family. It needs to go into the future generations. It needs to go so that God is the one who is glorified through it all. And then he says, then you take all those things that are, that are happening in your home and then you take them out. And it's these concentric circles that go out from your house. It's a house right next door to you. It's the house down the street. It's the workplace. It's those people that you work with. It's the people that you ride up and down an elevator with. It's the people that you go to school with, that you meet up with at the mall, that you go swimming with, that you, that you just go hang out with. It's all these people. They are your mission field. And they also need to have this gospel. And simply what he's saying is the gospel is for you to, share, to be shared with your family. Then, with, then as a family, you share the gospel with the world. Simple as that. But I know sometimes we get the feeling, okay, I'm a failure. I don't know how to do that. I failed at this. I hear you speaking, Mark. But you know what? That's just not not what my life has been like. I don't even know how to get out of this, this tailspin that I'm in. Let me just simply ask you this. Is God speaking to you this morning? Is, is he pricking your heart? Is the Holy Spirit doing some, some, some work on you? Is he nudging you? Is he speaking to you? Is he whispering in your ear? Is he saying to you, but this is what I've called you to do. This is my command to be the primary disciple makers first in your home. Is God saying that to you? Well, then let me just share with you some great, awesome news. God is the God of second chances. How many of you know, how many of you know that one? Amen. So why are you going to doubt him on this? You know firsthand, you know from your own life experience that God is a God of second chances. And all that stuff is gone. You've got today and now he's giving you the future. All he's asking you to do is surrender. And you be the best disciple that God is making you to be. And then you share that with your, with your children. And it comes up in the little things. See, God doesn't just, just allow things to just kind of be talked about in church and then he just says, okay, you're on your own. He's going to give you so many opportunities as the day goes on. Matter of fact, as you go home, as you're riding in the car, what's one question that maybe you could just ask your child? What's something that they are maybe experiencing in children's church this morning? What's something that, they are, that you're experiencing in the worship service today? Something that you sang, something that you just read, something that was spoken, whatever. What's something that you can engage your children in conversation with? What's something that you can do? And say to them, as you go through your life. See, really it's a matter of, are, are you just taking advantages, advantage of the times that you have? And God says, I forgive you. All you got to do is surrender to me. I forgive you. Let's start brand new today. See, because legacies, eternities, they're at stake. The gospel that you have surrendered to, that needs to be lived out in your home. Who, what better people to hold you accountable to that than your very people that you've given birth to or that you married to? Those are the people that God wants you to be held accountable by. 
And he desires for you then as a family, as a kingdom family, as a faith at home focused family, he desires for you then to take it out and to share it with the world. Does this world need it? Does this, does this community in Hickory, does it need it? You know what? One of the main reasons why Carlos came to this town? Because he sensed and he saw the darkness of Hickory, North Carolina. And because he's here and God has allowed, allowed him to be in this place, he's using you in this place and him to be the light into this community. And what better way of doing that than to, than to go home and start at your house and then start infecting your community. What used to be my community. I lived here, me and Sherry and our children, we lived here for 12 years. And we love Hickory. We live in Graham, North Carolina now, which is just east of Greensboro. But I know the specialness of Hickory. I know the special people that live here. And our heart is still very much here. So it is, it's God's word that needs to make that difference. See, because if we don't follow God's word, it could actually sort of turn out to be a very similar situation than what happened to the children of Israel. The children of Israel heard these words, teach them to your children. And you know what they did? They taught a little bit, but they also got very busy in their life. They got busy, they were in a war. They got very busy because they got new houses. They got very busy because they had new, new, new gardens to tend and new things to do. They got busy because God had blessed them with all this stuff. And as a result of that blessing, they started taking their eyes off of God. And a whole generation grew up after they entered into the promised land and something very tragic is written about them in Judges chapter 2 verse 10 and it should be right here on, your, on the screen. In Judges chapter 2 verse 10, one of the most sad, one of the most difficult verses and, and, and when I read it, it just, it just grabs me because the children of Israel forgot to do the one thing. Impress them on their children. Look what the Bible says. It says, after a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord or what He had done in Israel. How could that possibly happen? Well, it's really kind of simple. They took their eyes off God. They didn't follow His command. They said that they knew better And they said, we're going to be disobedient in so many words. My question is this. This is what's engraved on the tombstone of every one of those Israelites who heard that message back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me ask this. I'm going to ask you just straight up. Is this going to be what's engraved on our tombstone here in Hickory, North Carolina? Is this what's going to be said about us in our generation that the next generation will not know the Lord? Is this what's going to be said about us? The people that God has given and trusted us with so much that they're not going to know who God is? That maybe God has started to stir in your heart that you know you need to make a change. Amen? Amen? Is God saying something to you this morning? I've got to make this change. I've got to do this differently. I've got to, I've got to get myself, myself centered and focused on, on Christ. And I've got to live it out in such a way that I live my life with integrity. But then I've got to turn around and pour these things into my children. Because there's an eternity at stake. Will you be the one? Will you be the church that says we're going to live faith at home? 
And we're going to see what, how God uses us. Not just in this community, but more specifically, how God uses us in our family. Would you bow with me just for a moment? Thank you for connecting with us at iChurch. We hope that we've inspired you and helped you break the bondage in your life. It is our desire to see you take a step closer to God. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so by going to iChurchOKA.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you have a blessed week.